All right. Uh, actually, today, this is the last um, message for this series, Made for More. If you miss it, uh, they are actually posted on our website as well, fcbcsgb.org. So feel free. I was getting a really good feedback from someone that we actually post these sermon on our, on our podcast as well. Same thing, FCBCSGB. We're very original with our name. Um, so you can go ahead and you want to subscribe to that. And I, so a brother was sharing with me. It's helpful to listen to it on, uh, on a car ride for uh, commuting. And so if you need, want a refresher, feel free uh, to go on there and to follow. But before we start today, I know that we have some younger <coughs> youth here today. And, and I want to share, not just for them, actually for all of us, is that um, I know sometimes it can feel like really not useful time sitting here. Uh, believe it or not, I've actually been in your place. Uh, when I was growing, to, uh, growing up, I went to church. My parents dragged me to church. I didn't want any part of it. Um, so I just kind of sat there. But one day, someone kind of challenged me and said, hey, Ben, why don't you think about investing? I was like, I have no idea what investing means. And if you don't know what it is, that's okay. But for those of you, let me explain to you what investing. You know people who are uh, in stock market, you know, they invest their money. You know what happens when they invest? They basically put money in. And don't get it back out for a while. They're putting money in, thinking, assuming, hoping that it will have great return down the road. So maybe they put $1 in and hope that later on become $3. And so that's what I want to ask you to do, especially those of you who are sixth graders. I want to encourage you to invest your time, your energy now. Um, I know this is very basic, but even if you don't slouch, you don't just look up in the ceiling, you just sit up straight. It does help you to focus more because you breathe actually better when you have air. It will actually go to your head, help you process things better. So I want to encourage you to invest because you might feel like, man, none of these things matter to me right now. I can care less about church, but I'll guarantee you one day. In fact, I just got a text earlier this morning. Someone that grew up in church, his text told me, I'm not doing so well right now. He, he said, I'm str- I think I'm struggling a lot. And I can't point him to anything else but point him back to the things that he had learned about Jesus. And when you start depositing, investing into Jesus now, you might feel like none of these things matter in my life right now. But one day there will be a time that as you hide these things, invest in it, you will get a good return. The Bible, the parable says that you will return 30, 60, 90, even 100 fold of what you are putting in your heart right now. So I want to give you a challenge to encourage you to do that. Part of it is if you're not going to use your phone for the Bible, let's not give the enemy an opportunity to tempt you from looking at other things, okay? So if you have your your phone on, feel free to use it for the Bible. But I want to encourage you, deposit, invest in Jesus. There will be good return, okay? So uh, we're going to finish off our uh, sermon series, Made for More. We've been talking the last few weeks about this primary calling that we have. But before I talk more about it, today I'm going to want to talk about more uniquely you. You, each one of you. How do we live out our calling? Uh, but I have a picture up here in the front. Uh, if you look at this, it looks like all of us in basketball gear. This is actually the team picture that we took. Uh, if you do not know, we every summer we put together a team that go into uh, to play basketball in our uh, FCBC LA Church. 
Um, and so we have some – so the, the league have uh, – I don't remember how many games. But we play in a real game, real referee. You can get fouls. You can get ejected. By God's grace, none of us have got ejected before. Uh, this is the last game that we played. Um, my two kids are in there. They didn't they, – they barely play. If we get blown out, they go in. If we, if we blow somebody out, then they get to play as well. But uh, it's fun. Every year we play. And I love our summertime. And just kind of plug for you, if you like basketball or you're like, I, I like basketball. I'm not good at basketball. It's okay. You can still join. And so next summer, uh, you can join us. But this is actually not a plug in for uh, joining basketball next summer. I show these pictures because one of the things I love about sports, particularly about team sports, is that the idea of team. Because believe it or not, not everyone on there on that team is as good as the, the person next to them. We have some really good player. We have some players that are not so good. We have players that are average. We have players that are novice. We have people who are playing ball every day, every single day, to, uh, 365 days a year. And so we have many, many people. But one thing I love about sports, and the reason why I put my kids into sports, is for them to experience team. Because everyone on this team has a role. In order for us to be successful as a team, everyone needs to play a role. From the shortest to the tallest, the best, to the, 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 the novice player to the expert player, we all need to participate. We all need to contribute in order for this team to be successful. Now, why I wish that I can tell you we went undefeated the whole season uh, we have never gone undefeated any time in our history of play. I think the best we've done is a little bit about 500. I think uh, a couple games about uh, 50%. So uh, we are trending upward. Let me put it that way. We're trending upward year by year. I hopefully we'll one day get to the height and, and actually won all our games. Um, but but the, the reason why I share this is important because this has everything to do with you and I as we live out our unique secondary calling. Um, next slide, please. We talked about this idea of primary and secondary calling. Primary calling has to do with, is the same for every one of us as Christians. If you're a believer, you have the same calling. You are called to be sons and daughters of God. You are called to make disciples of all nations. And the way we talk about it is in Ephesians chapter 1, 22, 23, is to bring the fullness of Christ. Bring Jesus to every space there is in the world. I know some of you guys in your small group went through that exercise looking at their life circles. You go to school, you go home, you go to after school, you go to work, you go to your kids' games, you go to your other activities. There are people that we talked about last week that you could go to without even really go far. You are already going. So that's a common calling that we all have as believers. But today I want to kind of wrap it all up is that not only do we have a primary calling, we also need to have a secondary calling, something that is unique for Jacob, unique for Carmen, unique for Katie, unique for Martin, unique for Stephen, unique for me. That we are all have the same purpose, but we do it in a different way and how we do it. And if you have your Bible with you, can you please turn to Ephesians chapter 4? So we've been picking different spots through Ephesians. We talked about Ephesians 1, uh, mainly the whole chapter, then we went to 5, and now we're going to go back to 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, we did not read from verse 1, but let me read it for us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul, last week, reminded us we need to walk wisely. 
And the way to walk wisely, we need to keep our eyes open. We can all walk with our eyes closed. I use the example of sleepwalking. And when you're sleepwalking, you have no idea what you're doing. You're just kind of going through the motion. We need to walk wisely. But today, when we go back to chapter 4, Paul tells us in order for you to contribute to Team Jesus, to be a good team member, you need to not only walk wisely, but it says there, so, uh, there we need to walk in a manner worthy of the call. We need to walk in such a way that is worthy of what we're called to do. Here's the idea of calling. You've been called. But the question is, are you answering the call? Because you can do it haphazardly. You can do it casually. You can do it accidentally. But the way Paul said, in order for Team Jesus to win, in order to bring fullness of Christ into every broken places in the world, we need every one of you Christians myself included, to play up to our potential. So I'm going to make all my points today out of this passage in the sports analogy, okay? So bear with me if you're not a sports person. Uh, but here's the first thing, a couple of things. How do we walk in such a way that's worthy of our calling? What are you talking about? We have a calling. You're a believer in Jesus Christ? You have a calling. You don't need an extra calling. You just need to know how do I use this calling and where I'm at. For most of you, that's school. For some of us, that's at home. Uh, as parents, for some of us at, as spouses, some of us at our workplace. So how do we live up to that potential? Like how do I live up to where God has called you to be uniquely at? Paul tells us three things. There are three things that we need to do to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Here's the first one. I think it's on the slide. The first one is this, that we need to understand and be convinced that our calling is not about me. It's not about us. Our calling ultimately is about Jesus. That your calling to be uh, the to bring the fullness of Christ, your calling to be a student is not about you getting into college. Your calling as a optometrist is not for you to have your own clinic. Your even for me as a pastor, my calling as a pastor is not for me to build a big church. Ultimately, our calling, every one of us individually, our unique calling is meant for Jesus to be the fullness in this world. Look at verse 1 again. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want you to circle two things. You don't, you don't have to write on the Bible. You don't want to use your finger. The first thing is this. Paul described himself as a prisoner of the Lord. When Paul was writing this letter, he was in prison. But notice he did not say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Roman Empire. No, he said, I'm a prisoner of who? The Lord. Like, think about that for a second. He's a Christian. He's, he believes that Jesus is with him. God is on his side. But then somehow he still believed that his calling is to be a prisoner. That this great God is willing to put him in a prison. See, he's, his calling is not for himself. Because if his calling is for himself, why would any one of us want to be a prisoner? Like, don't we all want to be doctor, millionaires, billionaires? But Paul, understanding his calling is not about him. So even as a prisoner, literally in chain, writing this letter, he said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I don't belong to myself. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, not only does he know that who he is, he also said that I have a calling to which you have been called. Someone called him to be a prisoner. Someone called him to be an apostle. You see, many of us, when we come to calling, we tend to think calling is what we want to have ourselves. I talk to collegiates. 
I talk to high school graduates many times when we think about college. Like, what do I want to do? We tend to have this me mentality, but ultimately, your call is not coming from yourself. God has called you to be that doctor. God has called you to be that accountant. And it is when we understand that that calling does not come from myself, then we will start using that calling for, for Jesus. See, the moment you keep thinking that's calling for me, you are thinking, how can it benefit me? It's going to make me more significant. It's going to give me fulfillment. I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to make my parents feel better about me. I'm going to bear the name of my family and do well. But here, the calling is not for you. The calling ultimately is for Team Jesus. Ultimately, it's for Jesus to shine, Jesus to be the fullness in this world, that every person in this world will get to know Jesus. I want to use an analogy since we're one of sports and talk about basketball. Many of you probably know these two. Uh, if you don't know, the one on the left, his name is Kobe Bryant. He's one of the greatest players in the basketball and, and NBA. Once he scored 81 points in a game. 81 points. I can't even do that in a video game. His teammate is Shaquille O'Neal, big guy, another one of the great centers of, of, of NBA. Shaquille O'Neal was a veteran. He's been playing for a while. He's a superstar. When Kobe Bryant entered into the league, he is this little 18-year-old punk. He thinks he can do it all. Kobe Bryant's mindset is, my calling is not for the Lakers to win. His calling is, I want to be the greatest scorer of the NBA that I've ever heard. That was Kobe Bryant's mentality for three, four years into the league. And in fact, he was one of the most prolific scorers there is. And he could score, he can do everything, but here's the problem. He thinks his calling's for him. So what did he do? His calling, he felt his calling is to win the scoring title, to score a lot of points. So every time he gets the ball, he goes score. So there's five players, if you don't know basketball, there's five players in the game. He gets the ball, he never passes the ball. So the other four players, including a great center like Shaquille O'Neal, was like, what's going on? This guy never passed the ball. There's a term for it in basketball. It's called ball hawk or black hole. The ball goes in, never comes out. And so for the initial first few years, many people predicted Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal would win many, many championships. You have one of the best uh, superstar uh, center, and then you have an up-and-coming shooting guard who can score at will at people. But yet, at the end of three, four seasons, they couldn't win anything. It wasn't until Kobe Bryant realized someone talked some senses into him that his calling is not to be the greatest scorer of the NBA history. His calling is to be the greatest champion of NBA history. You see, you can be the greatest scorer of NBA history, but not to be the greatest champion of NBA history. You can score 81 points and still lose the game. But here's the thing, it, was his, it wasn't until he realized he needs to change his mindset that his calling is not to score a bunch of points for himself, but his calling is to make the Lakers the team to win championship. And when that happened, they won three straight championships. But here's the problem, only to fall back later on after three years, Kobe Brown went back to his own calling to be a scorer. And because of that, Shaquille only left the team. And they couldn't win after that. 
until a couple years later. Then they start winning when he realized it again. So here's my, my reminder for you. In order for you to be successful in your calling, whatever that you do, student, uh, workers, professionals, parents, te- uh, 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 um, uh, spouses, in order for us to know, to, to live up to the potential to bring the fullness of Christ in this world, you're in your sphere of influence, you need to understand your calling is not for you to feel better about yourself, nor is it for me. But our calling is to make King Jesus to be known, to be felt, to be experienced, to be proclaimed. So that's the first thing we need to understand. Paul understood that he said that he's not a prisoner for himself. He's not an apostle for himself. He received this calling to be a prisoner for the Lord. Now here we continue. Here's the second thing he says. In order for us to win for Team team Jesus, in order for us to live up to the potential of being uh, uh, what God has called you and I to do and find purpose in our lives, we need to understand that we're on one team. All of us as Christians, we're on one team. There's one team only that we're playing for. It is not Team Ben. It is not Team Hannah. It's not Team Vincent. It's not Team anybody. Our team is Team Jesus. If you go back to the text, here's what it says in verse 4. Paul went on. I'll come back to 2 and 3 in case you're following. You're like, Ben, you skip out on 2 and 3. Verse 4 says this. I want you to notice the word one. Okay? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Again, the word calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We all believe as Christians to believe on one team. You don't belong to Team FCBCSGV. As a Christian, we belong to Team Jesus. We belong to Team Jesus. There's only one Lord that we worship, one faith, one baptism, one God that we worship. And I want you to notice the verse says, God is the one who fills all and through all. Remember we talked about the concept of the fullness of Christ in everyone? That is the purpose of God. He wants everywhere in this world to have God in this life. And so we have all people. God wants to be in all, but in order for him to be in all, we need to be playing together. We need to be one together. Now, it doesn't mean one together. It means everyone needs to look the same. Everyone can be dressed the same. We need to have the same lingo, talk the same. We need to do everything the same. But what it does mean is this. That we need to be united in our heart. That we're not trying to do 5,000 things all on our own. But that we need to realize that pri- that's why primary calling is important. Unless you know that you are made to make disciples. Unless you know that you are made to bring Jesus into people's lives. You will start doing your own team thing. You will not be on team Jesus. You will be start serving other things. One of the things I love reading about is leadership. And I've read many leadership books, but one of the principles come out of every leadership book, Christian or not, in order for a team to be successful, it is never about how much talent they have. It helps. It is never about what plan they have. It also helps. Ultimately, what determines success for a team is are they together doing the same thing with the same purpose? That alignment is what's important. Go to the next slide, please. That alignment is what's most important. When everyone on the team with the same purpose, same direction, and moving the same, same unit together, that's what makes the team successful. 
you can have the most successful, a most talented team when everybody's going different direction. It will distract the team from being successful. So what does that mean for you and I as we live our callings here, our secondary unique calling? Because all of us, all of you are different. All of you can't, can't be possibly doing the exact same thing. Not all of you are preaching. Not all of you are playing music. Not all of you are going to the same school. So what does that mean for us? What that means is that we need to be careful to not to fight over unnecessary things. You know what some of those things are? People call it slack. You know what some slacks that we fight over? Preferences. Man, sometimes I just want a different color carpet. Sometimes we fight over methodology. Man, I want, a, I want a church to be a certain way. Sometimes we, sh- uh, we fight over personality. Man, I can never get along with that person. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to come to this church anymore. I'll just find somebody else I can get along with. See, some of us want to do things the same way all the time. And some of us want to do things new every single time. And the point is this, we're not going to be doing, doing the same thing all, uh, all together, but we need to be united. We need to have, uh, have reconciliation when pe- people fight against each other. Many times as Christians, we fight with each other so much that we have no time to bring the fullness of Jesus Christ to, the, to other places. You know, there are times that I think our church can do things a little differently. And I get tempted. I said, man, Pastor Chang, I think my idea is so much better than yours. But you know, when, when every time when I think that, God convicts me and says, you know, it doesn't matter is the best idea, best way of doing things. What matters most is are we together doing it with the same unity? And when you do, God can even bless the worst plan there is. I mean, think about the plan that uh, the wall of Jericho. Who thought that was a good plan to, to bring down the wall of Jericho, walk around seven times? That's the dumbest plan there is. But why did God honor that? Because the people of God, the Israelites, walk around together, literally, seven times, and then they yell, and then this is the dumbest plan, but yet God honored the unity and his own promise to the people. And so many times I want to encourage you, stop thinking your calling for yourself and stop playing for your own team. Start playing for Team Jesus. That means that sometimes we're going to do things here you don't like. And I know that, and we know that as leaders, but I want to ask you to submit to the authority of Jesus. Not just the leaders, but Jesus. But there are times that you have suggestion. I want you to bring that up to us. Because that by you bringing it up to us, we don't know everything. But that's when we are united. We start listening. You know, that's why I skip verse 2 and 3. The way for us to be united is because we need to live in verse 2 and 3. Look at what verse 2 says. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I want to ask you. When you come to church today, were you humble enough to hear the people who taught you today? Not right now. Are you humble enough to hear the person that you're in your small group? Were you gentle in addressing one another? And I don't mean just younger to older, even older to younger. Are you gentle in the way you encourage one another? Were you patient? Were you patient when the person next to you are bugging you, when the person says something is mean to you? Are you maintaining, doing everything you can maintain love and unity in this church? Or you just kind of stroll in here, there's none of my business, you do your thing, I do my thing, I'll sit here, I'll pay, I'll pay three hours worth of time, and I'll walk out here. That is not being part of the church. That is not playing on Team Jesus. That is not advancing what God has called you to do. 
So here's the thing. Paul tells us we need to know that we're, our calling is not for us. Here's the second one. We see that we're all playing for the same team. And unless we're aligned and unite together, we cannot bring the fullness of Christ to the world. And here's the last one. Just because we're one doesn't mean that we're all the same. Because in verse 7, it says it's that everyone gets to play this game. Everyone. Everyone from the youngest to the oldest person who has been Christian the least amount of time to a Christian who's been a Christian the longest. Everyone gets to play the game. Because in verse 7, I love the word but. Because it changes things. In verse 7, after all saying all these, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, in all. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us. According to the measure of Christ's gift, grace was given to each person, each Christian. They're, while we're one together, we're not the same. We're not the same because each one of you has been given a gift. Everyone gets to play the game. Everyone gets to play the game because everyone has been given a gift to play the game. Look at the gift that we have. He says the grace is not a salvation grace. The grace he's talking about here is about a gift, perhaps gifts plural that's been given when you believe in jesus christ you don't just get salvation you get gifts that could be used because in verse 8 says this therefore it says when he jesus ascended on high he led a host of this and he gave gifts to men and women boys and girls in saying he ascended what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth he who descended is the one who who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Remember that phrase? Fill all things. Why did God give you gifts? It's not for you to have a good, um, good, good um, uh, uh, resume. It's not for you to put it on your wall and look at those extra letters. God gave you gifts so that you can use it. And then look at, there's a really confusing verse in verse 8 and 9. It talks about someone, Jesus descended and then he ascended. All he's talking about there is that Jesus was resurrected. And the gift that he gave you is of the same power from turning dead to life. That's how powerful those gifts that God has given to you. And you are supposed to use those gifts to bring, to fill all things. To, so to fill all things. Jesus doesn't do it himself because Jesus now uses the church to do it. That means God is using you and I. Everyone gets to play the game because everyone has been gifted with gifts. And some of you are younger, you're like, I don't have any gifts. I'm good at nothing. Paul went on. He tells us what are some of those gifts are. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry. There are four categories of gifts that we have that God has given to the church. Not to one person. But to the church. Okay, if someone put it in an acronym. It's called APEST. You see it from the verse apostles, who are people who start things. There's some of you who are great at starting things, but worse at finishing things. Apostles start, pioneer things. They go to places that no one else will want to try. They like to try new things that no one likes to try. Some of you are have that leading leaning in your in your personality, in your in the way you do things. You are the risk taker. That's an apostle. Someone who is more a prophet, someone who likes to, who knows the truth and willing to speak up to the truth. Think of like Martin Luther Jr. in 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 in, in face of um, 
uh, racial reckons, uh, racial um, uh, problems, he spoke up and risked dying. Some of you are truth tellers. You know what's right, and you are very black and white. You are willing to speak up to. Some of you are evangelists. Evangelists are people who like to share with people, invite people. Last week, I, I asked my wife to share her testimony. I think Hannah is an evangelist. She has a way of inviting, sharing with people about Jesus, about the good news. Some of you are shepherds. You care for people. You nurture people. You come. You are the people who come around. You are the one who knows that people who are sitting by themselves. You are the person that knows that someone is having a bad day by just looking at them. And you know exactly what to say to those people. And some of you are teachers. You like to teach. You like to explain. And the way you, you explain and talk about things, people understand right away. See, God has given us all the gifts. These are not exclusively the gifts, but these are category of gifts and also including into the office of the church. But you don't need to have office. You don't need a role to do this. You get these gifts. And for those of you who are young, I want to encourage you. You're like, I don't have nothing of these. I want to give you a couple of things to, to consider. For many of you who are younger or youth, you're, you, don't, you don't live long enough to know what you're good at or not good at. So when you get a little older, you realize, like, there are some things I'm just not good at. But you will never know until you try them. Try them. When there's opportunity, use it. Explore it. There are opportunities at churches. Try it. There's opportunity at school. Join a club. Be engaged. Explore what you're good at, what God has made you to be. A couple categories I want to give you to consider. What are some significant live events for you? For those of you who are born overseas, there are many other people like you. You are a little further along. You know exactly how they felt when they came to America or don't speak a lick of English. And you can relate to them. Speak to them. Share with them. Some of you have work experiences none of us have. That might be this, the place of what God has called you into. You have a, a schooling, education that, that you, don't, you don't know that. Uh, you, uh, schooling that you have access to, to people that you never thought of. So everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play because everyone is being given a gift. If you're a Christian, you have a gift. Don't say you don't have a gift. The question is, do you know what that gift is? Are you developing it? Because if you don't know your gift, you're going to start doing everything else. Imagine the center, the biggest guy in the basketball team. He's not good at shooting. All he, he's the tallest guy. He, instead of staying underneath the basket and get a rebound, he goes out to the three-point line, always shooting the threes. And he never practiced the threes. And he knows he's not good at the threes. See, he's not doing something that he's meant to do. So then he gets frustrated. and like, why do I always miss a shot? The, th the problem is he's never made to shoot a three. But he's great at getting a rebound. He's great at putting the ball back up. If he just stayed where he's supposed to be, he would be scoring tons of points and helping the team. Everyone gets to play because everyone's been given a gift. More importantly, everyone gets to play because you are all, you are all important. Here, I want you guys to say that to the person next to you. You're important. And mean it. Mean it. You are important. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 to 15, it says this. God gave all these gifts. God gave all these gifts to the people. Why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until, here's the purpose, here's the ending, here's the scorecard. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure 
of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me run it back again. Why do you need to use your gifts? Why do you need to know your, your calling? Why do you, you need to live up to the potential of what God calls you to do? One is because to, so that we'll be united. Two is for you to know Christ. But more importantly, his last part, he says, to mature manhood. Not you. For the church to mature. For the church to grow. The idea here is not to just grow older. Our church has been almost 11 years. It does nothing to the world or the kingdom of God if our church just gets older. A person who is living in a vegetation state can get older. But that person is on the bed. Can't move a muscle. See, we can go older but not mature. But Jesus said, I want my church to grow mature. I want it to be mature so that the mature church can start exercising. Again, here's the the word of fullness. Because at the end it says this, until uh, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? Christ. See, when each one of you start living the way that God has called you to live, we mature as a church. When the church mature, we start living with the fullness of Christ. And when we we, uh, scattered out into the world, that fullness of Christ will start impacting people. You can't be holding a candle uh, a candle with the fire on and not burn someone next to you. You don't tell them ahead of time. A burning fire will burn somebody. See, Jesus called you to be the light of the world. Are you, are you living up your part? Are you doing your part? To fulfill the great commission, to bring the fullness of Christ into every nook and cranny. Or is our church maturing or just getting older? Because I would hate to say that after 30 years, when I look back at our church, we just get an older church, an older building. I get older, more wrinkles. But we never mature one bit in fulfilling what God has called us to do. There's a model in Home Depot. Some of you guys will go there frequently. Uh, I've been going there frequently because of our church. Um, different upkeep. Uh, by God's grace, the Home Depot is just down the street, so it's good, easy to go, and easy to come back and return stuff. Now, there's a model the Home Depot has. It says, you can do it, we can help. I've been to other stores. I frequently go to Sam's Club. And every time I go to Sam's Club, you know I don't know where things are. Not doesn't happen all that often now, because I've been there almost like two, three times a week, but back then when I didn't really know what things are, I would ask an associate, say, hey, uh, excuse me, sir, you know where the cheese are? And then person, oh, it's in aisle 17. And I'm like standing there. There's no numbers on your aisle. I have no idea where number 17 is. Then he'll just go, oh, it's up there, turn the left. Don't you hate that when they tell you? Just go up and turn the left. When there's like five left turns you could have taken. Just go a little further. Like three steps? Like five, five yards? Like where, right? And so you, for many stores that we go to, it tends to be that way. But you know when you go to Home Depot, you know what happens? I asked them, hey, can I, uh, I, I just, it just happened the, the other day. I was buying paint for Awana. So they went paint Awana circle for the game. So I asked this lady, I said, uh, the, the pers- lady who works at Home Depot, I said, um, uh, excuse me, ma'am, where are the paint? And I said, oh, what kind of paint do you want? Uh, I was like, I don't know. My friend told me to buy some paint. So I showed him the picture. So her, showed her the picture. Oh, these are great paint. Like, you know, uh, you, you have all the colors here. Uh, you should try online. And then she started walking me to get the paint. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but paints are locked up. 
for kids like you guys. Uh, so she unlock and then she started asking, "Oh, what are you doing with the paint? Like, do you need help?" Um, uh, oh, you and I said, "Oh, I also need this wand to put the paint on the ground." And said, oh, let me show you, and I'll bring you to another aisle. And then she she goes and help me. And then she said, oh, "What are you doing with the paint?" I said, "Oh, I'm I don't know how to explain a wand circle for someone who's not Christian or been in a wand." I said, "Oh, it's just for church." Oh, and then she started telling me like, "Oh, this is how you use this." this is how so she gave me all this information. Just so that I can do my job and bring in the paint for someone else to paint. That's what we're trying to do at church. Many times when we come to church, we're asking you to help us as a church. You know what we should be doing? You all should be doing it outside of church. I hope that our church, I'm praying our church, we can help you to do what God has called you to do. For some of you, that means we want to help you to be the best student there is. So that when you go to be a student... You can do it, and we want to help you to bring Jesus into your school. For some of you, for example, I, this past Thursday, it's awesome. Like at our home group, we have this sharing about the people that God has called us to reach out to. Like I, at the end of the night, I was extremely thankful because I just sense this clarity in our group that we all see God has called us to these places. And when I think about you can do, we can. I think about Jed started a, a Facebook group to minister to, uh, to talk to, to, uh, hand, uh, to minister to people who are, uh, have mental um, uh, illnesses, a place for them to talk to. He can do it. We should be a church to help him. And I think about Kevin who goes and works at a city of hope. He has a friend that's going through a situ- different situation. I can't do it. He can. But we want to pray for him. We want to support him so that he can do it and we can help him. I think about Hannah last week, what she shared at her workplace. All the people that she get come, come in contact with. She can do what she can do. We can't do her job, but we as a church can help her. I think about Annie Colleen. Last week we prayed for her in her after-school place. She had an opportunity to reach out to many, many students after school. I think about CCHC. Many of you have uh, visited and, and helped and maybe attended. What a great opportunity. You can do it. We want to help. See, many times we think we can do it, but we don't need other people to help. I want to ask you, do you know where you're going? See, the vision of Jesus being the fullness of the world can only happen when every single one of us start playing the game. And that would require all to live to the full potential of what God has called you to do. I want to share this, one, one challenge for you. We're all part of the game. And so these challenge I want to give you is this. Do these three things as a church. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're old, young, middle-aged. If you're a Christian, I want to challenge you to do this because we're all playing for King Jesus. We're all playing for Team Jesus. I want to do this. Start coaching one another. You know, in our basketball league where, and our, our team, one of the thing, coolest things I see is that technically by name I'm the coach. But most of the time I don't really do a lot of coaching. I just kind of sub in, sub out. But a lot of times what happens, what I see is on the bench, people are, another person come by and say, hey, man, you should do better. You should go move there. There's a place you can go. Hey, how about, how about you try this? And people are coaching one another. You know what happens when you start coaching one another? You start helping one another because there are blind spots for each one of us. But with the rest of the group, start coaching each other. So I can't keep track of all of them. There are 10, 10 people on our team. So we start coaching one another. Here's the second thing. I want you to start challenging one another. Man, many times we come to church, we're a little too comfortable. We say, I don't care if this person is growing. I don't care if this person 
is doing well, man, challenge it out of love. You need the person next to you just as much as they need you. In order for the team to grow, to grow and do well, we need to challenge and push each other. That's what Hebrews 10, 24, 25, the picture spurring, sharpening, poking. I like NSB, stimulating one another. Here's the last one, celebrate. Man, when you see someone does it, another word for it is encourage. Man, don't just go around seeing someone's doing well and walking with Jesus, doing great work, and just like, whatever. Man, go cheer for them. Man, that was awesome you brought out a friend. That was awesome you were serving at, at Awana on Friday. Let's celebrate together what God has called us to do. And as we live up to that potential, man, that's how the fullness of Jesus starts going to the world. I want to end my sermon in this. Uh, don't go, go there. I want to end this sermon with a, a video. Um, most of you know who Martin is. Um, let's be honest. Martin was not the, our best player. But what I appreciate Martin the most is this. You might feel like I'm like down on it. But here's the most, the craziest thing. I have seen Martin work hard in between games. There are times Martin will come to me and say, hey, Ben, teach me how to shoot. I've seen him doing warm-up during practice. He's shooting the ball. I say, hey, Martin, what do you, he's like, uh, he asked me to borrow my ball so they can shoot at home. Martin cares about the team. Martin cares about getting better. And you know what's the crazy thing is? For a while, I, could, I couldn't put Martin in for too long. Not because he's not good, just that's, he hasn't played basketball long enough to, to know what to do. But I can honestly tell you every single game through the season, I can see him getting better and better and better. I would, I would argue that he played one of the hardest on our team. He might play two minutes, but he gave it all to the team. And he got better and better and better. It was one of the coolest moments in our last game of the season. One of the coolest moments because Martin have actually never scored in our whole season. Martin, I call him our defensive specialist. He plays good defense, lockdown defense, and get rebounds. And it was like, don't dribble, pass it up. But at the last game, he's been practicing his shot. And I have a video to show you. You cannot see him. But I'll tell you, the person who shot the ball, and I want you to pay attention, to, not only for Martin, to, uh, Martin, but also I want you to look at the crowd. Look at our bench. They're going to roll that paper. Martin is number 31. Here's Martin with a shot. Nothing but that. Okay, just stop there. And you can see the bench. We've, we've, we've scored. I've never seen our bench that happy. That excited for Martin. You know, that's what a team is. You know, there are different roles in, our, our, uh, in Team Jesus. But I want you to see that celebration at the end. Man, there is genuine Love for one another because we're all playing for the same reason, for the same purpose. Man, there are times that not all of us are going to take the shot. But man, when that happens, that was the coolest thing that happened this whole season. So I want to encourage, I want to challenge you. Do you know your role in Team Jesus? And what are you doing to coach one another, challenge one another, and celebrate one another? Will you join me in a word of prayer?
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we get to be on your team. Lord, many times I feel like I deserve to be on your team. But God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us that it's by grace through faith. None of us deserve to be on your team. God, in fact, we play on the other team against you. But yet, out of your love for us, you send your son Jesus to die on that cross for us so that we get to have new life, eternal life, more life, abundant life. That not only do we get to be on the team, we get, we're get we given gifts, ability to play the game. God, it's crazy to think we, of all things, you chose broken, messed up, people to be on your team to play for you to win the game for you now we know at the end of scripture at the book of revelation we know who which team team wins your team but now you're calling us to carry out that game play hard know our potential and walk in such a way that is worthy of the calling you have been given to us. So I pray, God, today for those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray we will not walk back tonight and just uh, business as usual, kind of going through life. We miss out on the full life that you have given to us. The full life that you have enabled us, empowered us, and equipped us to live. Lord, I pray that there will not be one of us, any one of us, one day look back in our life and say we wasted that full life. But Lord, along the way, sustain us. Help us to pick up one another. Help us to serve one another well and love one another well. And those, for those of, uh, in, among us who don't know you, God, I pray for them to know you that they, so that they get to play the game, so that they get to be on mission for you because there's nothing else greater than to live a full life for you. That is what we're made for, and we don't want to miss it. So, God, I pray that salvation will come upon those who don't know you so that they will figure out who they are because once they know whom they are, they will know how to live out their, their lives and their calling. Help us not to drift, uh, drift and wander. Help us to to go align our, uh, be aligned with the stream of your calling in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.